The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse number 1. I've preached from this text many times. In fact, the first time I ever really studied this, this uh, Scripture, uh, Kim and I just got married and, you know, uh, there's just a lot going on. And, and it was one of them times I was just, you know, looking for help, trying to find help in my Bible. And I was thumbing through uh, one of my old Bibles and, and in, the, in the front, Brother Mark Stroud had signed it and under it, under the, his signature, he wrote the scripture, Isaiah 43, 1 and verse 2. And I mean, I was dead. So I'm, I'm going to look right there. And I, and I read this. And that's been, you know, several years ago now. I can't even remember. But many times, Lord. But this is something fresh the Lord shows, has showed me this morning. I hope it will be a help to you. The Bible says this, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, and thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And, and we've been studying the book of Daniel, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night, but maybe if you weren't here, this was literally fulfilled in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible says in verse 3, For I am the Lord thy God. The Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee, since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable. And I have loved thee, therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to help me today. Lord, I need you at this moment, Lord, as much or more than I've ever needed you before. And I pray, Lord, that for a moment that you'd help us, Lord, by opening this book that's before us, Lord, we know that our natural man, Lord, cannot understand this, it cannot receive this. But I pray, Lord, that that spirit, man, that's inside of us would help us to take hold of these truths from the Word of God. We thank You, Lord, that the message You had for Your people many years ago, as they were preparing to go through the darkest time of their history, that, Father God, the message is still true today and can help us as we walk and tread through these troubled times. And I pray today, if there's one here lost, I pray you'd save them. I pray, God, you'd just touch them in a special way. I pray for everyone that's here, for the one that may be cold and indifferent toward the Word of God, the things of God, I pray you touch them. That one that may be backslid, I pray, God, that you let them to hear your voice in the far country where they are and help them to come home today. And for all of us, I pray you give us, Lord, the words that we need for the day ahead and the weeks to come. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, in chapter 43, I'm going to give you this. I'm going, this is where I want to start, and we'll try to get where the Lord wants us to get. But this book of Isaiah, he has been called the Prince of the Prophets, Isaiah 66 chapters. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, I'm not going to do it for the sake of time, but 
the first 39 chapters, uh, and, and then you got the last 27, that's the two. That's the way it, the, the book divides, and, and it's really the Bible in a, in a, in a microcosm. It's, a, it's the Bible in a miniature, and each, each chapter, and I'm not going to go through it. I think several years ago we went through the books of the Bible. We did an Old Testament survey, and I talked about it then. Some of you weren't here, but you can ask Brother Nathan, and find the CD or the tape, but anyhow... But, but if you look at it, it's amazing how this little, this big book has is, is got so much truth in it. Now, Isaiah, uh, as a prophet, uh, he was what's called, been called a royal prophet. He, uh, now, not every prophet that God called had the same ministry as the other prophets. In, in fact, each one of them had a unique ministry that God called them to. Elijah and Elisha, there's never been two more contrasting men and ministries than Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was a prophet of judgment, a prophet of doom, a prophet of wrath. Elisha was a prophet of grace. And, 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 and I could go on and give other Paul and Timothy and John the Baptist, I mean each disciple. But the truth is that Isaiah had a unique crowd. He preached to the kings of Israel. He had a voice in the palace. And I will say this morning that it will do any nation good when God's men have a voice in, in, the king, in the leadership of the country. Did you know that there was a time in our nation where they're, they call it the presidential pastor. Now it's, now it's just become like a, a, a show. It's just a, it, it, he's no more, you understand, it's just a tradition. But there was a time where the men that led our country, they consulted with and they sought advice from men of God and spiritual men. And that's the time Isaiah was put into a, a, a role that he was made for. And God, now listen, during his ministry, they experienced some times of revival. He prophesied during the days of Hezekiah and, and where there were times where the nation would turn back to God and they'd see revival, deliverance, but then they would go back farther and, and go back harder into sin than they ever had gone before. Now Isaiah had spent his entire ministry trying to prepare these people, trying to warn these people, trying to tell these people that if they didn't get it right, judgment was going to fall on them. And I got news this morning, the message is still the same. If you don't get it right, judgment is going to fall on you. And the Bible says here that he's telling, now I want you to see this. This is what we call a pre-captivity book, prophetic book. And this is right before they're about to go into captivity in Babylon. They're about to pay for all that he's been telling them not to do for the last 40 years of his life. But in these verses, you can look at verse 24, verse 25... In chapter 42, he talks about in verse 40, 24, who gave Jacob for a spoil and Israel to the robbers. Did not the Lord, he against whom we have sinned? For they would not walk in his ways, neither were they obedient unto his law. Listen, they were a rebellious people. He, they, he said they, he gave them their law and they would not walk in it. They would not obey it. Did you know what the Bible says? That rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and God hates it as He does all sin. But they had rebelled over and over again. In fact, that was really Israel's plaguing sin. Over and over they would rebel against the Word of God. And He says now in verse 25, Therefore, therefore He hath poured upon Him the fury of His anger and the strength of battle. And He has set Him on fire round about. Yet he knew it not. 
and it burned him, yet he laid it not to heart. He said, God is judging you, and he said, it's, you're like a person that's on fire, and they won't even acknowledge it. Now, have you ever burnt your finger? Have you ever? <laughs> Brother Dylan was up there, he don't know this, I didn't tell him, tell him everything. I was trying to start a fire. And uh, we had a bunch, and I love starting fires, you know. I might as well everybody else like start. I put out fires more than I start them, but I like starting one for every now and again. And we had this pile of, of, of leaves and this pile of, uh, what was it? Oh, shrub trimmings. I mean, it was a monster. And it was in a, the, the best fires to start is when you know you're not going to burn anybody's house down or anything like that. That's when I get really brave in it. And I mean, we was on, it's on this little island like in the lake and had rock all around it. I said, we're safe. And I went down there and the wind was blowing up there and, and I tried and he's, he was already started mowing. I said, I'm going to go down here and start. Well, it wouldn't start. So, so what do you do when the fire starts? I went and got the gasoline. <laughs> and, uh, and it was mixed gas, Brother David. So don't look at me that way. It was not straight gas. It was mixed, so it wasn't near as dangerous. And uh, I got a little bit of that gas, though, on my thumb. And, and when I struck, I had, now I was back from I had a pair. And when I struck that lighter, my thumb caught on fire. Now, it was just a quick fire, but I want you to know something. If, 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 I was glad Dylan was running that more because the scream I let, it scared me to death. I got to looking around, making sure. Well, I knew my hair wasn't on fire, but, <laughs> but, but you know, can you imagine somebody being completely on fire and looking at you and saying, I'm fine. Nothing to worry about. Y'all seen them, all them things, the meme thingies they put out, and there's that guy in the house is burned out, and he's saying, everything's fine, everything's fine. He said, that's the way you are. He said, you're, burnt, you're on fire. Israel as a nation was burning from the ground up and, and they're walking around saying, oh, everything's good, everything's fine. And Isaiah said, listen, he said, things are about to change. There was a swift change coming to Israel. They were about to be moved away from their home. They were about to be taken into captivity. The temple was going to be torn down. The treasures of the house of God were going to be carried away. They were going to become a governed by a heathen man in a heathen land. And Isaiah said, you thought you can pretend like it's not happening, but it's happening. And I got to listen to this morning. Does anybody look around and see that we're living in a nation that's burning down? Uh, not figuratively. Now, last summer they tried to burn it down, literally, but now it's really burning down, and and people just will say, "Oh, it'll be better. It's going to be." All right. I got news. We have sinned, just like Isaiah said, that sinned against the Lord, and the fire of God's judgments against the, uh, this, this this sin that we've committed. Let me tell you, God ain't for or against America. God's against sin. There's only one nation God's ever entered into a covenant with. That's Israel. Every other nation there's ever been. Listen, if you went to the poorest country in the darkest place of the world, and if those people turned to God and, and, and started obeying God's word, I believe God would bless them. And if they, you go to the most prosperous country in the world, here we are, and we have turned against God as a nation, and God will judge us. That's not the message. That's actually a sweet message. But I want you to see, I believe what he's trying to tell me is there's a change coming. And when it comes, now listen, there was a faithful remnant there that never would fall in the ways of the, of the, of the crowd. They would not, they would not go with the, 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 the bear worship and the groves and the idols. And this is what God gave them a message. You're about to go through some hard. You're about to go. And by the way, 
when people sin, listen, innocent people always suffer. And there are a lot of people that, not a lot, there was a remnant that had not betrayed, had not gone against God, had not uh, forsaken the Word of God, had not gone into the same thing that the country had. But he said, you, those that faithful remnant, he said, I want you to know that even though things are changing, there are some things that will never change. And if the Lord will help me, that's what I want to preach on this morning, some things that will never change. And listen this morning, we may go out the doors and get in our car and turn on the radio and find out we're in a war. You don't know. You may go home today and, and, find, and get a, have a voicemail or a, 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 what, they, what they call that on the answer machine. I don't even know what we call that thing anymore. A, a message on the answer machine. And it, your whole life could be changed. We could come back tonight and some, someone or a minute, how everything has changed. We may go out and say, well, they said now they're going to outlaw church. Or they, they, it could happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen but brother David you've been preaching longer and I've been alive and you know a lot has changed but there are some things that were the same for you that'll be the same for me and that's been the same for me that'll be the same for you that'll never change for the child of God look at this in verse 1 but now thus saith the Lord that's created thee O Jacob and he that formed thee O Israel fear not for I have redeemed thee I've called thee by thy name, thou art mine. This, this morning I want to say there's what, this, the first thing that will never change is this. We have a pardon that will never be reversed. I don't know how anybody who holds to the teaching of losing your salvation, forfeiting your grace, falling from grace and being lost and going to hell after you've been saved, I don't know how they can sleep at night. How can they, how can you live like that wondering, did I lose it? Did I have it? Do I get it? Did I get it? Did I ever get it? Did I lose it? Did I have it? The Bible doesn't teach that. Did you know 18 times one man called Isaiah the everlasting preacher? <laughs> Some of y'all think that's who I am, the everlasting preacher. But 18 times in Isaiah, that word everlasting, everlasting. He talked about everlasting joy, the everlasting God, everlasting strength, everlasting kindness, everlasting covenant. And I believe the reason God gave him that message was he was preaching to some people who were about to see things turned upside down and inside out and they was going to be taken down to a place they had never been among people they had never met and have to live 70 of the worst years of their entire life, of, of the history of the nation and he said I want you to know that no matter what happens that redemption it will never be taken back if there's a pardon it'll never be worse the one that has come to Jesus by faith and repentance cannot and will not be condemned again once a person has bowed their knee to the Lord, somebody asked me the other day, it happens all the time, do you believe? And once saved, always saved. I said, no. They said, I thought you was a Baptist. I said, I am. And it gets them every time. It works every time. It's like chicken livers on a catfish pond. You're going to get them. It bite, they bite every time. They, it's hard to handle, but once you put them, you're going to catch something. And they say, I thought you, I said, I am. I said, I don't believe in what's, I believe in everlasting life. I believe in eternal life. And once you have it, you've got it, and you can never lose it. 
Call it what you want. People say, well, that's a license to sin. No, 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 that's not a license to sin. That's a license to serve. They sung that song. Thank God I'm free, free. Listen to me. When we're saved and we know we're saved and we know we'll always be saved, we can serve God. If I thought this morning that I could lose my salvation, I wouldn't even be able to preach because I'd be so worried. If I say something that's not just right or if I misplay something or if I don't say something or if I, if I, if I say something I shouldn't say or I don't say something I should say, if I don't do this right, if I don't do that right, then I'm going to go to hell. So I'd be better off just not saying nothing at all. But listen, Isaiah said that, listen, there is a pardon. If you've been saved, God's not going to go back to the courtroom of heaven and pull your file and lay it on his desk and take out his pen and say guilty when you are at a point in a day and a time in your life when he took out his pen and said innocent, forgiven, saved. Listen, I'm saying this morning, there's a lot changing, a lot going on in the world, but there's some things that will never change and that is God will never reverse a sinner's pardon. How is that or why is that? Look in verse 1, he says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. Now, the same country that he's talking to in verse 24 and 25, he talked about how they had sinned against the Lord. They had, they had, they had not walked in His ways or obeyed His word. But he said, I want you to know that that's not changing the fact that I redeemed thee. Israel was a nation born by blood. Did you know that? They come out of Egypt under the blood of that Passover lamb. And God redeemed them under from the hand of, of Pharaoh and his taskmasters and brought them out and brought them across the Red Sea and brought them through the wilderness and brought them into the uh, a promised land and favored them and loved them. And he said, I want you to know this. I, 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 I have redeemed thee. It's not going to change. It's not going to be reversed. And listen this morning. I'm thankful that God doesn't go back on his pardons for his children. It's provided by a special person. Look in verse 1. He says, I have. In verse 1, the second part, he says, I have. Now here's something interesting. It's just a side note. In verse 1, he says, I have. In verse 2, he says, I will. And in verse 3, he says, I am. You know, and things are changing. It's good to know there's some things that are, some things that have been, and some things that will be, and nothing else is going to change it. But he said, I have redeemed thee. You see, have you ever had someone who, who they said they forgave you, but you knew they really hadn't? Your parents ever been that way? You say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I forgive you. Wow, wow, wow. Boy, you had a good way of showing me that you've forgiven me. There's never been more penitent children than we were when we did wrong. I mean, we'd cut ourselves, sackcloth and ashes. I mean, carmen the knees. I mean, we weren't Catholic or anything like that, but we'd get the beads just in case. I'm just kidding, we didn't do that. But I mean, we would, we would beg for mercy, beg. And mama and dad, oh, we forgive you. It's okay, but you're still going to have to go out there to that cherry tree. And I know she's probably going to say this is not true, but it's true. And one of these days, I'm going to go to 4179 Fuller Road and take a picture of that cherry tree so everybody can see it's sitting there today with limbs and those knots are still on it. And she'd say, oh, you're, it's okay. You're forgiven. Okay, mama. Now go get that switch so I can give you your whooping. I'm like, I thought you said you forgave. Have you ever had someone that forgave? 
forgave you today, but then three weeks later, they hadn't forgiven you. And they're like, oh, I, what? But what I'm saying is God's not that way. When He says forgiven, you're forgiven. When he's, and by the way, God will never remind you of your past. He'll never, you'll know why? Because it's gone. He cast in the sea of forgiveness. It doesn't exist no more in the mind of God. The only one that can remind you of your past is the devil. So whenever you get to be tormented by your past, remember that's not God. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't point you back. He points you forward. He doesn't point you to where you've been. He points you to where you're going. He don't take you back uh, to your dreadful past. He points you ahead to your wonderful future. And I'm saying, Isaiah said, listen, he said, you have been pardoned by a special person. Listen this morning. Only thing I'm depending on salvation is Jesus Christ and Him alone. I mean that with all my heart. He is salvation. Salvation is not in a church. It's not in a, it's not in a pew. It's not in a baptistry. It's not in a communion tent. It's not in doing this or not doing that. Or, 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 and listen, and by the way, being saved isn't about that either. You don't get saved by grace and then get sanctified by works. It's all of grace from beginning to end. And everything in between is the grace of God. It's God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Not one thing that any of us do can we say this. This is me. This is what I've done. It's the grace of God from beginning to end. And he says, listen, there's a special person, Acts 4.12, that says there's not salvation in any other. There's one name given among men whereby we must be saved. And we know what that name is. It's the name that's above every name. It's the lovely Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, and Him alone. And when you die, don't tell. Listen, when you get to heaven, listen to me. They're not going to have Baptist on your forehead. It ain't going to say Presbyterian, Lutheran, Church of God, Church of Christ, Methodist, Episcopalian. There's so many, it's hard to keep up with them. You know what the Bible says? Our na- what name's going to be written in our foreheads? His name. Hey, man. Isn't that going to be good? I know that bothers some of you old, dying in the wall, hard shell. I want to be nice this morning. I pray and ask God to help me to be nice. I drank four ounces of niceness before I come. But I want to tell you something. When we get to heaven, your titles ain't going to matter one bit. There's going to be one name that matters and it's His name. And I, I'm not going to listen. It's going to be His name on my forehead. We're not going to go around heaven and say, well, there's one of them Methodists. Sprinkled you. You want me to sprinkle you? Well, it ain't going to be that way. We're not going to get to heaven, Brother Larry, and say, well, there's one of them church of God. They're watch them. They're crazy. I got news. When we get to heaven, you're probably going to think we all church of God. Yeah. I guarantee it. Glorified body, glorified mind. You don't think it's going to be exciting. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you. You're, you're, you're going to another heaven, I guess, the one for the people that don't like that kind of stuff. I know there's a third heaven, but I didn't know there was a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. But anyhow... I'm saying this this, this, this this morning, what I'm trying to say is the reason that I, we can trust and know there's one thing that I know will never change, that as a 16-year-old boy, I received a full pardon from Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a full pardon. Brother Larry, he threw my case out. He said he's forgiven. He's saved. And listen, it wasn't because I was a church kid. Uh, it wasn't because my mom and daddy was good people. But Brother Aaron, it's because I 
I've got down before him and said, I'm guilty. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. And God took out the book with all my sin and my wickedness in it. He took the blood of Jesus Christ and wiped it clean and said, saved. And if I, when I get there, it's going to be because of one thing, because of the one that provided it. Verse 1, it says, I have redeemed thee. The reason that we have a party on there, it was provided by a special person, but it was paid for with a special price. Listen, God paid too much for you just to throw you away. You ever had some just like throw away sunglasses? What are you laughing about? You like my new sunglasses, Dylan. Ginger, I'm trying to embarrass her every chance I can nowadays. And, uh, you know, these, new, these sunglasses are in style now. They call them uh, pit vipers. Well, I was going to get a pair of them, but I, they think a lot of them pit vipers. You can buy Oakley. I mean, well, I'm like, why would you? But anyhow, so I got me an off-brand pair. And I've been wearing and they're good for weed eating. I'm trying to talk Brother Dylan into getting a pair. And uh, you know what they are, though? They're just throwaways. If I lose them, I ain't going to be worried about it. There's, but, but you know, there's some things that you pay more for. And if you lose it, you get a little more. You know what I'm talking about? The more you pay for something, the, 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 the more careful you are about how you treat it and how you... And, 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 and you know what I'm saying? You don't... And, and, and listen, God paid too much for us just to throw us away. If you pay, you go buy a new car and, and, and you pay off, the, you pay them payments and you pay it off. And then, and then something goes and it has brakes go out. You're not just going to go scrap it. I hope you're not. If you do, the scrapyard's out here. Just come scrap it right here. The way used cars are right now, just scrap it out here. Hey, man. I mean, seriously. Uh, I saw the other day, somebody said they, they went uh, to get an oil change and they give them $10,000 more for their used truck than they give for it a year ago with 20,000 miles. And I said, this is a good sign for our economy. Things are really doing good. Yeah. When depreciating asset, this, what I'm saying is the bubble's about to pop one thing. But anyhow, but Brother Ty, if you had a new, I mean nice, I'm talking F-250 diesel truck and you worked hard and you paid that thing off and they finally sent you the title and you went out and had a flat tire, you're not going to call the, the, tow, the tow truck and say, hey, take her to the scrapyard. You're going to fix it. Because you paid a lot for it. The same goes for your house. You build a house and you and your wife, you work and you pay that mortgage and pay it 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 and finally, here comes the deed to it. And it may not be much to somebody else, but it's yours and you work for it, you pay for it. And it's more than just brick and mortar and wood and vinyl and, and windows. It's something that you work and you paid a, a heavy price for that. And then the, and then you pay it off and you get the title and you put it in your safe or wherever you put it the, up there at the bank, them things they got, safe deposit box, and then you go home and, 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 the, and the roof's leaking. Well, let's just burn it down. No. No. You're going to fix it because why? You've put a lot into to possessing that. The word redeem means to buy back. And listen to me this morning. God paid the ultimate price for you and for me. 
The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God, we say this verse and quote it, and we do it so much that we just don't even, we don't even understand it. We don't even stop for a moment and ponder it. But it says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God didn't give a piece of junk for you and me. God didn't give spare change for us. He didn't dig through His pocket and find a few nickels and dimes. But when it came time to redeem us, He went to heaven and got the most precious thing the world's ever had and sin is only begotten son and guess what when you fall and when you stumble and when you mess up he's not going to throw you away because he's redeemed you if you took everything that everyone in this room everything that you and I have ever spent to purchase and put all that together it would be nothing compared to what Jesus paid for us what were we redeemed by? Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood. I really don't understand how there's even a debate about the blood of Jesus. I don't understand it. The Bible's a bloody book. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, there was bloodshed. When it, when it was time for uh, God to redeem, I've done mention it, the people of Israel, out, the Hebrews out of Egypt, He didn't say go find a lamb and just time out front. And when I see the lamb... I'll pass over you. He, he, he didn't say, and, and, and clean it up and put a bow in his hair and brush his teeth and curl it, you know. And, 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 uh, uh, and if meat keeps getting up any higher, man, we're going to have to start to find that. We're gonna, maybe we, I don't know if we can get some goats or, or anyhow. There's a meat shortage now. There's been a gas shortage, a chip shortage. I don't know what's going to be next. I got, I've had a hair shortage for about 20, 15 years, but... I'm saying this, Ephesians 1, 7 says we're redeemed through His blood. The Bible says without the shedding blood there is no remission of sin. Hebrews 9, 12, 9, 12 neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. He entered in once the holy place. Here it is. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now there's a lot of debate about this and I'm not going to get into that. And I can, Listen, I have my own opinions about it. I believe that between when they first saw him outside the tomb and he says, don't touch me for I have not yet ascended to my father. And the next time you see him in the upper room, old Thomas is putting his hands uh, in his, the, his fingers in the wounds of his head. But somewhere, brother Aaron, between the garden, the tomb, and the upper room, Jesus ascended to his father I believe that with all my heart and he took that blood you said where I don't know how they kept it I don't know where I don't know I know that it wasn't just any blood it was God's blood Amen. Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter number 20, it says that he purchased the church, that God had purchased the church by his blood. That was God's blood in Jesus' vein. It was never put under a microscope or analyzed, but it was not like our blood. It was divine blood. It was holy blood. It was pure blood. It was precious blood. But thank God it was shed blood. It wasn't spilled neither. I don't care what the songwriter said. He didn't spill his blood. He spilled a drink. He didn't spill his blood. He opened the veins of Emmanuel and shed every drop of blood that he had to pay for our sin debt. And if Jesus gave his blood for us, he's not going to throw us away. He's not going to throw us away. Did you know this? That song says, He knew me, but He loved me. He knew every sin you would ever commit after you got saved. He saw you. He knew that you weren't going to do everything right. He knew and He saved you anyhow. 
This ain't like, since we're using the car illustrations, this ain't like going and buying a used car. And they said it never burned a drop oil. Never burned a drop oil. And you go get gas and you check the oil and it's half a, half a, half a, half a quart low. Well, maybe, that, maybe he just didn't fill it all the way up. When he, and, then, and then you go home and the next morning you get up and you look in your driveway and it looks like a, a Exxon, that Valdez out there. You know what I'm talking about? And I mean, look, your grass turning. I mean, and what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I really don't know what I'm saying, but I've got on these cars and I can't get off of them. But, but Brother Aaron, he paid a special price. What I'm saying is, this was not some trick that God put on Jesus. Jesus knew who we were, what we were, what we had done, what we were going to do. And He said, I'll go anyway. I'll die anyway. I'll shed my blood anyway. So what I'm saying is, and I'm not sitting here trying to encourage you to go out here today and act like a heathen and run around and be wicked and wild. If anything, this ought to make us want to do better and want to live holier. To think that God loved us so much that He paid a heavy price for you and I. Was paid for the special price. In verse number one, he says, I've redeemed thee, I've called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Thou art mine. Do you see that? So we have a power and they'll never be reversed. Because it's provided by a special person, it's paid for a special price. I'm done here. It's put us in a special place. The Bible says that we are hid in Christ. And Christ is hid in God. We're in the rock. Do you know that? That song, I know people make fun of it, but I think it's a good song. A mighty fortress is our God. Do you know this, this morning that if you're safe, that you're, if you're saved, you're safe. And, and I've told this before, but as, as, a, as a boy, we, we lived in a mobile home out in the middle of a, a, a community called Talmo, Georgia. That's why I tell everybody I'm not from Mabel, I'm from Dublin. And uh, it, it, I love saying that. Rep 384. I mean, I just, I like the little, I like the small. And uh, we, yesterday, Ginger's Ball, Memphis, Billy's daughter played her last game. And I heard, you, you represented Dublin well. Because, you know, anyway, but we lived in a mobile home and, 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 and the first mobile home, it was, it was barely a mobile home. I mean, it was barely on the, and, and anytime it was rain, I always felt unsafe because daddy had told us the whole list of reasons why we shouldn't be living in that mobile home. Oh, if this thing ever catches fire, it's going to burn before you can even wake up. That's a good way to talk to your children. Y'all want to know why I'm so messed up? You can thank Jackie Martin. I mean, we have birthday parties. Oh, put out the candle. Mary, that thing hit the carpet. We'd all die before we got to the front door. And you could stand and put one arm on the front door and one arm on the back door. Everything. You know, and if the slightest breeze come, the slightest breeze, if the clouds turned a little dark, there's a tornado watch in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, I've watched it, and the way it's tracking, it's now here we are eating supper. The way this storm's tracking, about 3 a.m., it's going to be here. I mean, we just stayed scared all the time. We go to the water park every year. I find, and by the way, 
he's going to like, and he's probably going to be, but I love my daddy more than anybody in the world. That's not, I mean, you know, I love my daddy. He was a good daddy. And I'm a lot like him more than I want to admit, but I'm not as bad. I'll put it that way. <laughs> we go to Lake Lanier Islands. And uh, every year, every year, he, he hauled propane gas. And in the wintertime, he'd work like a dog, you know, 60, 70 hours, keeping them chicken houses uh, filled. And then in, in the summertime, though, all they did is just basically mess around at the lot and paint tanks, you know, and do stuff. And so he worked out a deal with his boss that he got off every Thursday and Friday through the summer. Every Thursday and Friday. Now, when we first heard of that as children, we thought, that's great, Daddy. We'd a whole lot rather stay with you than Nanders. You're so much more generous with your money. And, but, but anyhow, it, it worked out good. Mama, she worked at the hospital, and the hospital had a deal where a whole family could get a season pass to Lake Lanier Water Park for like 100 bucks. And Daddy jumped on that. I know what he was thinking. Babysitting for two days a week for a whole summer, I'm on it. And we'd go down there, and we'd be walking in. And the way you go into Lake Lanier Islands, you park up here on this hill. My kids have been there. And you walk down, and there's water slides everywhere. Now, we're walking in, Brother uh, Kevin, and he's telling us, oh, there's somebody about broke their neck there one time. <laughs> I mean it. No, no, I'm serious. Then you come down, there's, there's the wave pool. Oh, did you, they had a chlorine spill one here at one time, and people started they was about to die because of oxygen. And before we even got our, our swimming trunks on, we're done. I mean, what are we going to do? Can we go to the kiddie pool? No, there was a three-year-old dove in there one day. And I chipped three teeth, and, and he's never been there. And we, I'm just telling you, honestly, baseball. Oh, don't get hit in the head. You have, you, you, you'll, you'll, don't, football. Oh, the kid play football. You might, might break your neck. And, and it was, that's the way I was taught. <laughs> and it's true. If, I mean, it's, it's true. But, but listen, I said all that to say this. When you get saved, you get put in a safe place. You don't have to walk around on your tiptoes as a child of God thinking, oh no, is Biden going to get us? Is the Democrats going to get us? Is, 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 is the Nazis going to get us? Are the, are the, are the, is, the, is the pride crowd going to get us? Or is, the, is this crowd, is the Black Lives Matter going to get us? Or is the Antifa going to get us? I've got news. I've, been, I've done been got by the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, thou art mine. Amen. And listen, I've got, I've been set up in a good place. He said this. He says, I've called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. You're in good hands with God. He put us in a special place. See, where did he put us? Well, John 10, 28, I give them eternal life, and they should never perish. There's some men pluck them out of my father's, out of my, my hand. My father's, who gave them his great and all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Somebody said, well, a Nazarene one time said, well, you can jump out of his hand. I said, well, you're going to have to have a pretty good vertical. Because the Bible says in Isaiah that he meted out the heavens with a span of his hand. They tell me them galaxies, I don't know how to measure light years. I really don't. I don't. I don't understand it. But it's like millions of light years apart. And, and he measured it with the span of his hand. Now you can start today, and you can start jumping right now, Clayton. And you jump, and you can jump, and you can jump, and you can jump, and you can keep on jumping, and keep on jumping, and keep on jumping. And when you die, you're never going to be close to getting out of God's hand. It's a big hand. Amen. We're in his hand. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah, we're engraving in his hands. Think about that. 
If you're saved, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You want to hear something better than that? There's only one person that's worthy to open that book. And that's the one that saved you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> if He put your name in it, and He's the only one that can open it, then you, are you really worried about Him writing you taking your name out? I'm saying we're in a good place. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that He's made us to sit in heavenly places. Amen? I, I know that's kind of hard to understand, hard to comprehend. I know it's 10 after 15 after 12, but I'm going to say it anyway, that right now we're already there. Now I know we're here. But God don't see yesterday, today, and tomorrow. It's always today. He lives in the present. Time is something we're bound by, not something that God's bound by. And did you know that right now, in the mind of God, Brother Larry, we're already there. We're already been reunited with our loved ones. We've already, we, we've already, it's already done, is what I'm saying. We've been whom he justified, then he also glorified. It's already been done in the heart and the mind of God, and you couldn't be in a better place than where God's put you. So we're not, I'm not worried about it. There's some things that are changing. They're going to keep changing. They're going to keep going and keep moving and shaking. And, but it's not going to change. Our pardon will never be reversed. No matter how long you live, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, if you've ever bowed your knee before the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sin, and put your faith in His death, burial, resurrection, calling upon His name, he saved you. Amen. And you're never going to be called back to that court again to reappear.